0: Our Lord, we just want to thank you that we can be in your presence this morning. We are a resurrection people and you're alive in us. You're gathered in our midst. We thank you that we come with hearts full of faith. Trusting you in all things. We're aware that this day is a sombre celebration of your death but it is through your death that we are given life and so we are grateful here this morning for you continue to breathe upon us fresh breath, fresh life and it comes to us new every day. Amen. Good morning. Good to see you. Please take a seat. My name's Kynan, one of the pastors here at Hope Valley. If it's your first time here at Hope Valley, welcome. And It's uh, wonderful to have you all here as we celebrate uh, Jesus' death, really, as God's people. Uh, just during the week, I got the uh, text from the government saying that I was free to leave the home. Uh, it was just very factual. There wasn't any warmth in it at all. It said, you can just leave the house now, like I've been given my freedom back. And uh, I do have a lingering cough uh, and so my prayer is that my voice holds out and that I don't go into some sort of coughing fit and then it's very embarrassing publicly, right, as you all try to go, what do we do next, as you watch Kynan try to gather himself. I'm going to try and do something a bit different here today as well. I'm going to try and preach through communion because what communion does is reminds us, of the death of Christ. And as much as Easter is about this once a year event when we really reflect on the death of Jesus and of course his glorious resurrection on Easter Sunday, what we celebrate regularly in Holy Communion is a reminder of what Jesus has done for us. And so I'm going to preach us through communion here this morning. went and visited my grandparents the other week. I was conducting the funeral for Graham George, one of our long-term members, and I was presiding over the gravesite at Enfield Memorial, and you know, what was actually quite a beautiful afternoon, the the sun was warm on our backs. there was a cool breeze blowing, and and at the end of that little ceremony where we uh, said goodbye to Graham in that moment, uh, I went and visited my grandparents, who were just in another part of Enfield Memorial. Went and saw Tom and Vera, Annis and Frank, and I was reminded of their life as I stood before their gravestone, and I remembered them in their death. It was actually quite a nice visit. I had all sorts of things to share with them, and I remembered remembered who they were, what they meant to me and what they meant to our family. And you know what? What Good Friday really brings us to is a place where we remember. We are in remembrance. In fact, the the sacrament of Holy Communion, it says constantly, in all this, what? Remember me, Jesus said. Do this in remembrance of me. See, the thing is that our ideas and our thoughts, they drift and we tend to forget And yet Good Friday reminds us of just what Jesus' death is about and what it's for for us. And Holy Communion regularly reminds us again how the life that we have has come through the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the death that Jesus experienced was an ultimate humiliation. You need to understand that this was the Son of God the Prince of Heaven, highly exalted, who sits at the right hand of the Father. And God, in an outrageous, gracious act, gives Jesus to us fully. And he walks through this life and ultimately is humiliated. I mean, the events of Holy Week show that just a few days ago, he was being cheered by the multitude. And yet, on Good Friday, he is jeered and mocked by the multitude, ultimately publicly crucified, humiliated. But That was the path and the first step he needed to take before he was gloriously exalted again. For Easter Sunday, the fullness of God, Jesus rose from the dead and he began his steps back to the exalted place but it came through his humiliation. And so friends, we are here firstly to remember, to remember what Jesus' death means and what it did for us. The Prince of Heaven. You know, it's interesting, uh, Corey ten Boom, the, the Christian Jewish Holocaust survivor, who reflected on so much about God's action. She said these words, The measure of a life is not its duration, but its donation. It's about how much it gave up, how much it invested. And Good Friday is anything but a celebration of what God donated for us. And so Jesus' death reminds us of these things, that it demonstrated the great extent of God's love for us. Greater love has no one that he would give up his life, for us, his friends. And simply put, we are estranged from God. The Bible says that we're strangers. And yet, through Christ, we are brought into friendship with him once more. God's love demonstrates how much he longs to be friends with us. Jesus' death underscored the seriousness of sin and the severity of God's righteousness. Righteousness. For Jesus to die, the sinless perfect one, it shows that sin was so grave for God. His love for us was so great, but he had to give up his very own self that we might indeed become friends with him. God cannot cope with sin. And yet that which separates us is sin. And the perfect lamb of God was given up As a ransom for our sin. Jesus' death reminds us of this that the forces of sin and death have been triumphed over, and we have been freed of their power. Amen. The forces of sin and death have been triumphed over, and we are freed from their power. And Jesus' death reminds us that there is one who has taken upon all of that which separates us, all the humanity's sin, and we are brought back into union with God. And this ultimately satisfies God through Jesus. Now, theologians use a fairly involved term to understand and try to explain just what Jesus' death did. And on Good Friday, I always try to reintroduce it so that we are reminded of just what it was that was done so that God might be satisfied and we might be able to be saved by him. The words are this, penal substitutionary atonement. For the wages of sin are what? Death. And we're all sin, we all fall short. None of us are perfect. The things we think, the things we say, the things we do, we don't do. Sin is all around, and in some ways, we're just depraved by that. And yet, Jesus takes on that which is deserving of us, and He takes on that penalty, penal. And then, what we deserve, it is substituted by Jesus. He takes it, and rather than us, Copying that, he substitutes himself in that place for us. And because of that, that which we long for most, to be in union with God, to be in fellowship, friendship with him, a path is made through Jesus' death. It's the atonement. And that we are made at one with him again, at one moment. Penal substitutionary atonement. This is what Jesus' death meant. And so we remember when we come here on Good Friday. And we somberly but with grateful hearts show our gratitude to God for what Jesus has done and how great the magnitude of that work that Jesus did on the cross. Secondly, what we do is we examine. See, when we have communion, when Paul writes about it in 1 Corinthians, he says, examine yourselves before you come and take of the bread and of the cup. And what we have this opportunity to do is to see where we are before God. And we can only do that through God's outrageous grace. For we are entered into this place where we can be before God. Remember on Good Friday, that veil in the temple was torn in two and we were given access to God. And so we are able to then, before God, examine ourselves. People get afraid of confession. People are weary of repentance. What if I get found out? Well, friends, we believe in an all-knowing God. And he has shown how much he wants to hear from his children and wants to work in their hearts. And he says, you can come and before me, you can examine yourselves. Today we have an opportunity to examine ourselves. How are we right before God? How are we before others? And it's not a place of fear. It is a place of supreme grace. For when we do that, we hear and we feel the loving arms of our Father embracing us once again and saying, It is forgiven. Welcome back, my child. And then thirdly, we actually enter in to this death and resurrection motive in our lives. That Jesus says, find yourself, you need to die to yourself. In order to find your life, give it up. Oh, we want to control everything. And if anything, we've found over these last couple of years is that we have very little control. But God says, trust me. Come and know that you can give up yourself to me and I'll continue to give you life and a hope and an everlasting future. We enter in to the death of Christ. See, it was on the night that our Lord was betrayed that our Lord Jesus was having his last meal with his closest friends. Now, Jesus, I think, had this growing awareness of what was going to happen over the next 24 hours or so. And so he started to help prepare his friends for what was to come, knowing that It was going to be a symbol for all time, but he was the only one who was going to live it out fully what it was that he was going to do. It was a night that he was betrayed by a kiss, maybe the most intimate things that two people connect around, a close friend, Judas. It was before that time when Peter was going to deny him. He was going to see his friends cower in fear. He knew that he was going to end up alone. And yet he said, all of this I still give to you. Fully. Everything. My body and my blood. Because my love for you is so great. My desire for you to know the fullness of the kingdom of God is so precious to me. And I know the heart of my loving father who longs to commune with his children. So they supped together. And he took bread. And giving thanks. Thanks. He broke it, saying, this is my body, which is broken for you. Come eat of it and remember, don't ever forget this act. The lamb of God. And then he took the cup, gave thanks, blessed it, saying, this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many, that you might know the forgiveness of sin, that you might know that you would be restored back into the arms of a heavenly Father who loves you so much. Jesus says, I will sacrifice this all for you. I'll fulfil the law and the prophets. I'll give and pour myself out. It's a sacrificial love offering for my people. And so we are invited to come to remember, to examine ourselves, and then to enter into this grandest of spiritual stories that God is unfolding in and through and around us. But that's not all. The promise is given to us that we would continue to proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. That there is a mission which is given to God's people. That you are empowered to keep proclaiming this good news that God is for us. He has given everything for us. And there is a life eternal and a life of purpose Which is afforded to you. And there will be hope which is proclaimed. Christians continue to proclaim the Lord's death until He comes again. And for the first time ever at Hope Valley, we're going to take up a mission offering during preaching of communion. Lots of firsts here. Just a couple of weeks ago, a piece of mail came in and landed on my desk in the office. And uh, it was to our former mission director, and I thought, well, I'll open that. So I opened it, and it was a group called the Far Eastern Broadcasting Corporation. And they run Christian radio all through uh, Europe, Middle East, and so on. And there they were telling the stories of Ukrainian broadcasters who were continuing to proclaim the gospel In these recent days, I could feel my spirit stir because I thought they are still proclaiming when there's blood on the streets that there is a God of hope and of love who wants to make a difference even in the midst of that horrible situation which is unfolding there. Many of us go, well, we'll pray for Ukraine. We wonder what is it that we can do? Well, this morning, what you can do is give to a group who are proclaiming the gospel in Ukraine. I talked to Kevin Keegan, who's the director of the Far Eastern Broadcasting Group in Australia. And just a couple of days ago, he got this from Igor, who's one of the Christian broadcasters in Ukraine, who's just visited some of those cities which the Russian troops have just retreated from. He wrote this, after spending the day visiting these devastated cities, said Igor, FEBC's Ukraine's broadcaster, I've started getting used to seeing destroyed buildings, destroyed apartments, tanks, broken glass, dogs running in the streets, it's like we are living in a post-apocalyptic movie. People, on the other hand, have really surprised me. People have joyfully come to these cities, cleaning up and repairing the streets. Hundreds of volunteers who wanted to help. I'm inspired by the faith of our people. While seeing the destruction has been saddening, it's people that are truly important. It will be much harder to rebuild the thousands of broken hearts than to rebuild these buildings. But this is possible with God's help. And the focus of the Easter message through FEBC is that Christ is the one who can redeem and bring back life to broken hearts and people. This morning, we're going to have an opportunity to invest in those who are proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes again. The work of FEBC. They've been broadcasting from bunkers, from cars, wherever they could. They've been distributing Bibles to soldiers and supporting them as much as they possibly can. It's one way that we can partner with the proclamation of Christ in our world. We've got a little video for us to see. And if you want to give, you can give through the app primarily. And also uh, through the mission boxes that we've got on the side on the side of the audio desk. But just hear this little story from F E B C